all the religions that give you an image of some figure who is both human and God, whether it's Christ or Buddha or Krishna or any of the others, they are metaphors. They are metaphors for who you are. You are Christ. You are Buddha. You are Mary. You are Krishna. You are the goddess. All of these forms in these images are simply all the various permutations of the forms that we take. But behind those forms, we are all that essential divine essence. The religions don't want you to know that. They want you to worship that being as if it's someone else. There's one son of God. The rest of us are second cousins or something. <laughs> and so it's heresy. And they used to burn people at the stake for saying, I and God are one, because only one guy was allowed to say that. But the truth is that we are that. And we have to take the heretical step of going beyond that red line that will make you blasphemous to the authorities who want to maintain some mystical superiority. But there is no superiority. The only inferiority is your belief that you are lesser. And anyone who has a belief that you're lesser or lacking or in some way defective, that's the big lie. The one commandment is never to believe that lie. You are perfect. It doesn't matter what condition the physical organism is in. It doesn't matter what your educational level is, it doesn't matter any of those things. You are perfect. It doesn't matter if you're angry, it doesn't matter if you're sad, it doesn't matter if you're anxious. All of that has to do with the ego. That's the false self. That's the mask. You're not the mask. It doesn't matter what the mask looks like, it doesn't matter what it says. Behind the mask, who you really are is the divine essence. So take off your mask. That's all spirituality is about. And find out what's behind the mask. Here's the problem. People don't do it because they're afraid. What if there's nothing behind the mask? Okay, so... I have good news and bad news for you. The bad news is, there's nothing behind the mask. The good news is, there's nothing behind the mask. But that nothingness is God. The term for God in Buddhism is emptiness. It's the lack of ego. It's the lack of the mask. It is that which is non-objective because essence of being has no form. That's why you're not allowed to make a graven image of God. Okay, In most religions you can't do that. It's 
It's a sin. Why? God has no self-image. Now, when you give up your self-image, you are God. It's only the self-image that gets in the way. And usually that self-image is attached to a story of all the bad things I did and why I don't deserve to be happy and blah, blah, blah. That story is a false narrative. Let go of that story and you're free. You're only enchained by that story that you tell yourself or that others told you who were projecting their own sense of lack on you so at least they'd feel better than you feel. That's what families are for. (laughs) That's the whole problem with family systems and most people have to go to therapists to get rid of the ways they were screwed up by their family. Often unintentionally because their parents were screwed up by their family. It went back and back and back. So there's no point in being angry at anyone. That's just another level of the mask. As soon as you let go of it, you can forgive them. They knew not what they did to you. And even if they did, they didn't really because they were in a mask. Don't buy into the mask and then you have the ability to forgive because you're already free. You're only angry if you're not free yet, you know, and then you want to get vengeance on somebody else rather than freeing yourself. So that's always an excuse too. The best vengeance is to be happy. So let's all be very vengeful by being in supreme bliss and realizing that all of those that we thought were enemies are actually our best friends because they all brought us back to God via a path of suffering. Okay, we chose that. But now let's end the suffering and have a party. That's why we're here. It's just to have parties. We call them satsangs here, but it's just a party to celebrate how happy you are. Because you realize there's no reason to be unhappy. There you go. Start now. (laughs) This is being an avatar. Why wait? You can take it on the installment plan and take years to reach bliss, but why not do it tonight? Take it home with you. Take enough to share with everybody else. There's no limit to it. Because that's what this is all about. The flowers know it. Birds know it. Everybody knows it but humans. We've forgotten it because, oh, we're too educated to know that anymore. We're alienated from nature, and nature is bliss, it's joy. It's infinite creativity. But we are the essence of that. But we're trained to forget that and be tunnel-visioned and you know, just make life about money and about making sure everybody else is more unhappy than you are. You know, all of those things. Stab people in the back so you climb the corporate ladder or whatever it is that you're doing with your life. But it's usually something someone else indoctrinated you into believing you had to do rather than living from your heart doing what you want to do. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. You can really live the life you want to live and don't buy into the belief that, oh, I don't have enough money to do that. You know, Sell yourself short and think, okay, when I'm 65 and I retire, then I'll be happy. You know? 
Of course, the system will break down by then, and money will be worthless anyway, and you will have wasted all those years. We all know that. So everybody's living this life in which you are indoctrinated into living in a prison, and we call that freedom. So let's be really free. But to be free is to be free from your own ego mind. That's all that traps you. And here's the real problem with the ego mind. You have come to believe that the thoughts that appear in your mind are yours. Mm -hmm. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Whatever thoughts come into your ego mind were implanted there by other people. And you bought into them. And then you repeat them to yourself. And because you repeated somebody else's thought, you think, okay, now it's mine. And you take ownership of other people's projections, starting from early childhood. And then somebody else gave you a name. Okay, that must be who I am. Somebody else gives you a role in the family system. I'm the scapegoat. Okay, that's what I am. And then you keep replicating that role as if it's somehow some God-given reality, when it isn't. It was an unreality given to you by people who were in unreality. And they just shared the fun with you. But you can let go of all of that, and that's the real loyalty to the true self that is God. And so rather than being loyal to the illusions, the falseness of a family system of people who didn't know who they were, be loyal to God. God wants you to be happy. And God is happiness itself. That's the definition of God. Satchitananda is the earliest definition. Sat is being. You hear that word all the time, right? But what is your being? Your being is consciousness. Consciousness prior to language. Silence. Peace. Chit. Intelligence. You all have the intelligence of God. Nothing less but you have to activate it. The ego is the repression of your intelligence. Unrepressive. Sat-chit leads to ananda. Ananda is bliss. The bliss of love. The bliss of loving life. And you love life because life is what you are. And there is one life. We are all manifestations of the one life. It doesn't matter what form life takes. Life takes infinite numbers of forms. And it's not limited to this planet. It's not limited to this dimension. It's not limited to carbon-based organisms. It's unlimited. But that's what you are. It's life itself. And so when one body dies, you'll take another. And when this world is over, you'll go into others. You'll create universes. We have that power. We're part of God. There's no limit. Because as it turns out that science itself has now discovered, even this is an illusion. There's no matter. Matter is energy. There's a force field that you're hitting. It's, you're not actually hitting anything solid. It's a force field. But what is that force field? What is energy? It turns out that the energy is consciousness. Consciousness dimensionally structured. Dimensionally structured by our own consciousness, and by the collective consciousness. 
that turns into the illusion of a world, but the world is just a dream. And once you have reached a level of consciousness where you see through the illusion of matter and time and space, then you are free to begin to recognize that this dream can be morphed in magical and miraculous ways. This is the discovery of the great yogis. And they try to hide this discovery because they're afraid if you find this out too soon you'll become a black magic practitioner or something and use it for the ego. But once you know who you really are, you'll use it to create more bliss, to make this dream more beautiful. Not to do anything for the ego, because why would you want the ego? The ego it just creates suffering. But the world is magical. You saw that slideshow, it's magic. We're creating magic on a land that was deforested, that had soil that you couldn't grow anything on, or in. It was, it was a, a, a land that had been mistreated, like all of us have been mistreated. And now it's flowering again, because a community that's loving and that cares for the land and the wildlife and the beauty of the plants and the harmony of a community that lives together in peace and creativity is there now. And the plants are growing faster and bigger and more nutritiously. And we're attracting wildlife that has never been seen on that land before. And it's every day becoming more beautiful and more miraculous simply because the energy field of love is getting stronger and love attracts beauty, attracts joy, and it attracts beautiful souls like yourselves who want to share in that beauty and who want to give even more creative power to that energy field. And so it's natural. This is the, how the new culture will be born. Not out of fear and not out of some <coughs> Marxist idea of everybody being the same or some other kind of ideology. No, it comes out of the love, the overwhelming love and creativity that recognizes our oneness. We are doing it now. We're creating a new world. The old one's exhausted. It's dying of itself. You don't need to knock it down. It's, it's crumbling. We see that. That's why there's no point in being political. Let's create a new world that has such power and such joy that everyone says, well, why am I in this old world anymore? I'm missing out on the party. It's over there in the new world. And communities like this are growing up everywhere. I don't claim this is unique. I hope it's not unique. We want to be part of a large global network of people who realize their freedom an escape from the prison of believing you can only live one way and postpone your happiness and live according to the conventional morality and the conventional values that nobody really lives in any way. Everyone's hypocritical these days. So why buy into that game? Why buy into the game that there's any lack or that life has to be a struggle? It doesn't. You have to end the inner struggle. And when the inner struggle ends, the outer struggle will end. Life will change. Miraculously. Because the world is a reflection of your inner self. If you're unhappy, your world will be unhappy. When you're happy, 
suddenly everyone becomes happy. And so it's simply a matter of letting go of the illusions that you have been carrying on your back, mm -hmm. like an atlas. They're not real. Don't struggle with them. Don't carry those bags any longer. Leave them here, okay? We'll get rid of them for you. We have a toxic waste dump in the back. <laughs> Leave all of the negative thoughts here and feel the beauty of freedom. And know that you, wherever you go, that freedom stays with you because it's who you are. You don't even have to join this community. I don't care. Make a new one. <laughs> Go down the street and do it. And we'll have parties. We'll have street parties. Okay? But be happy. Be fulfilled. Whatever you do, wherever you go. That's your birthright. No one can ever take that away. So a yogi is someone who never takes away his or her own happiness mm. by accepting a negative thought. So I hope you all leave here tonight as real yogis. That's the only vow you need to take. Because this is easy and it's natural and it's simply a matter of discovering this for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Discover it. Discover who you are. And you will realize that you have no doubt any longer and that all of the mental oscillations and worries are an artificial mask to keep you from realizing that you're happy. Because everything that happens, happens miraculously. You can't plan ahead. We think we can plan ahead. You can't. Because you, you, can, you can know for sure that the unpredictable will happen. That whatever you planned for, the opposite will happen. So in that sense, yeah, you can plan. You can plan to be surprised. But you can't know what's going to happen because magically in the middle of open space a door will open and you'll be in another universe, another dimension. Synchronicities will happen. You'll meet someone you never could have planned you would have met who will show you something that you never would have seen and suddenly your life will take another turn and nobody ever told you that this could happen and suddenly a new reality has been born. A paradigm shift has happened. You can't plan these things out. But if you live in the present, it enables you to be aware more of the miracles that are available at every moment. We tune them out by focusing on the past and on the future. We want to create a future just like the past. Why we would want that, I have no idea. But that's what most people do, is they focus on making sure their future is just like their past. <laughs> So they'll eat at McDonald's every day to get the same horrible meal. Because at least they can depend on it. You know, I can plan on that. I know I'm going to get indigestion after that. Okay, so 
That's how people live their lives, planning their indigestion. <laughs> you thought yoga was serious. <laughs> this is actually a comedy school. <laughs> Because we have to learn to be happy before we can know how to be serious. Because being serious means to let go of the false seriousness of the ego and recognize that God has the most wonderful sense of humor. And that all of the seemingly serious problems that you have and the world has and all of that are illusions. They will be resolved very easily once we know who we are. So it's simply that will to discover the truth and the power that lies hidden within your own heart, your own soul, that will redeem you and redeem your world, our world together, collectively. Don't depend on politicians to do it. Don't depend on popes to do it or mullahs or gurus. This is a do-it-yourself guru operation here. Everyone in here is a guru. I recognize you all as gurus. You are my gurus. So, claim the power. There's nothing you have to learn from outside except to go within. That's my only job here, is to help you recognize that you don't need me or anyone else. You know all of this, but maybe you forgot, or maybe you thought it would be crazy to know this. Maybe you were afraid of being mad. Well, I have another secret for you. You are mad. (laughs) We're all mad. Sanity is an illusion. Sanity is the worst form of madness. Because if you want to be sane, it means you have to give up who you are to be like everybody else. You know? so, so now sanity is just madness plus paranoia. So I recommend madness without paranoia. Just accept it, you know, you're crazy. But that craziness is beautiful, and everyone's crazy in their own beautiful way. Especially you. (laughs) So I hope you'll let yourself realize how crazy you are and enjoy it and share it. That's the only gift we have to share, really, is our craziness. Nobody wants our sanity. We don't even want our sanity. That's why people take drugs and alcohol and all that, just to get their sanity out of the way for a few hours. But you don't need to do all of that. You're already insane. Just stop pretending you're normal. (laughs) But there's... A kind of insanity that 
is diagnosable. That's an insanity that is a political decision. All insanity is a political decision. To not join an insane society in which everyone's lying, everyone's deceptive, hypocritical, and all of that. And people who choose psychosis actually choose it because they don't want to be a part of this game, the charade. And so if mental institutions really functioned the way they should, they would be ashrams. They, w- they would be satsang. I mean, this, and okay, this is a mental institution. I grant you that. But it is an asylum for us insane people to break free without having to go the psychotic route. We go the divine madness route. It's blissful psychosis, not the suffering kind. And that leads us to the infinite. So now I'll tell you the real problem. Okay, the real problem is this. What is the ego? It is simply the mind operating according to two-valued logic. It's all it is. Two-valued logic is absolutely absurd, and we can blame Aristotle for it. But he was the first philosopher who maintained that you need to analyze reality according to two-valued logic. Before that, everyone was in infinite logic. It was totally different. Two-valued logic is, in the Bible, recognized as the cause of the fall of man. Why Adam and Eve got kicked out. What was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That's two-valued logic. That this is either good or evil. This is true or false. Up or down. Everything is this or that. And once you're caught in believing that, then you're caught in a prison in which you can no longer be whole. Because the truth is, you're this and that, and neither of the above, and all of the above, and beyond any of the above. That's the truth. And so when you have to follow two-valued logic, you have to cut off and split most of your mind and repress it. That's what Jung called the shadow. Everything you weren't allowed to be, you had to repress so, oh, I'm male, have to repress the female. Bradley Manning is now Chelsea. Have you ever heard that? It's beautiful. Okay. I, I think it puts everything into perspective. You know, everybody's talking about him leaking the secrets about the war crimes. He wanted to leak the secret that he's female. That's the, the secret that really had, he had been holding in. She had been holding in. And it puts everything in perspective. But okay, we are all both male and female. You don't have to have a sex change operation. I hope you realize that. Just claim the fact that your soul is both male and female and beyond because there's no such thing as male and female. That's a cultural definition. There's nothing real about it. Nothing genetic about acting in a feminine way or a masculine way. That's just about how many Marlboro commercials do you see, you know, and how many lingerie commercials or whatever. What do you buy into and what they tell you as to what it means to be male or female? None of that is real. That's just there to sell products. So when you recognize that and that there are, there's nothing that can define you because you're not the body and you're not the mind. You cannot be held, you cannot be categorized, you cannot be put into any box. 
but you yourself keep the box of two-valued logic. And the core issue is the values between I and not I. If I'm here, you're there. And if you are not me, then you must be an enemy and I have to worry about you. That's what two-valued logic creates. But what if it turns out that I'm also over there? And over there, and over there. And you're here. And the two-valued logic is wrong. And that God is actually zero that becomes one and then becomes many. That's what all the mystical traditions teach. But the many is actually one and the one is actually zero because zero is the infinite. And the form of God in India is the form of, the, of a candle flame, but that's the form of zero. And it was the Muslims who conquered India who then brought it back to the West that gave zero to Western mathematics. And before that, the West was lost. It couldn't do anything with Roman numerals, and it had no zero. And once it had a zero, it took off. And then they left Aristotle behind, and pretty soon you have Einstein, and you have everything that we are now technologically able to produce. It all comes from recognizing the zero. But we haven't applied it to ourselves and recognized that when we are a zero, not a one, not trying to be the one, the tough guy, the one who has it all, but the zero, that is nothing definable, that the infinite can flow through us. And when we make that real as a psychological and spiritual reality, not a theory, we let go of the two-valued logic. Because if you read the philosophy of mathematics, what you learn is that set theory has shown that zero is all there is. And, and the set of all the possible zeros, and all zeros are one zero because you can't have many zeros because multiplicity is something that goes contrary to zero-ness. Every zero is identical to every other zero, right? The, that set of zero, they give the name one. That's all it is. One is the name for the set of zero, the null set in mathematics. And then two is just another set with more zeros in it. All of mathematics is based on the idea that all there is is zero, but we give different names to each manifestation of the zero point. And now we know by physics that the zero point is the whole energy of the universe that comes out of nothingness. It's the vacuum <coughs> energy. And, and knowing this will enable us eventually to produce free energy that won't be controlled by companies that think they can sell you energy and all they do is irradiate the planet and create cancers and other kinds of problems through <clears throat> absurd, insane, really insane kinds of energy production. But the real energy is the life energy that comes from the zero point. And when we have really gotten that clear, we will create a new culture. And there won't be any energy shortage and we'll be able to clean up the planet and we'll be able to accomplish miracles. But our minds have to be at the zero point, which is the source of the intelligence that will be able to resolve these problems that now we can't do from the ego mind that's trapped in the two-valued logic. And so everything comes back to this ability to return to our true intelligence that we have cut off in the belief of the false self. We could go into greater detail in this and greater depth and talk about this in uh, very scientific, complex terms, and we do that here. If you want to understand 
all of these, quantum physics, complexity theory, chaos theory, all of that, they're important on a scientific level. But what's more important is living at the zero point, in which you will intuitively know all this. You don't have to read books on it. And what it comes down to is simply the practice of letting go of the false two-valued ego mind that's always going back and forth. Should I do this or should I do that? He loves me, he loves me not. I love myself, I love myself not. Right? That's what the mind is always going back. Tick-tock, tick-tock. And there's this constant dialogue that goes nowhere. And when you go behind that and you enter the silence, then everything becomes very clear. And you become empowered because the power comes from the zero point. Because it's not oscillating anymore. It's not going from one side to the other. It's solid. It's rooted in that immovable spot that metaphorically is the point which was the moment Buddha attained his enlightenment. Mm. But that spot is the third eye. It's the point that is the origin of your consciousness. And that point unites the heart and the mind as one. And it unites the world with God, with the self as one. And it brings us back to the absolute. It's an operation that happens in our consciousness, that transforms us forever. And this integration of all the fragments that are created by the two-valued logic, this and that and the other thing, and I am not this and I wish I was that, and all of those ideas, when you bring them all back to the center, you reach a state of absolute freedom. And that's meditation.